Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming at you guys on Wednesday, March 20th. We have shifted venues, left behind the Indian Wells Tennis Garden and moved on to the Miami Open main draw play just underway in Miami after a washout on Tuesday. Also, qualies are finishing up today, so a very busy day at the Miami Open. Joining the program today to break things down, talk a little bit about what we saw at Indian Wells as well as what we can look forward to in Miami is tennis commentator Pete Odgers. Pete Odgers commentates on both sides of the tour. Last week he was working the WTA side at Indian Wells and this week he'll be covering the ATP at the Miami Open. Pete is one of the more astute commentators out there, real nuts and bolts commentary technique tactics. He's got a great pairing on the WTA side with Naomi Cavaday. He knows the game inside and out. He's very polished and we're very pleased to have him on board the program today. So I think, you know what, why don't we just get to this interview. We discussed a lot of topics including the phenomenal run of Canada's Bianca Andreescu, the breakout winning streak of Belinda Bencic, and of course we talk about Dominic Team, his success at Indian Wells and what that more, might portend for the strapping young Austrian as we head into the meat of the clay court season, which is set to begin in just about two weeks. So let's talk to Pete Rogers right now, and I will see you guys after the jump. Lucky Let Court Podcast is proud to bring aboard Pete Odgers. He's a commentator for the ATP and WTA Tours. This week, he's in Miami covering the Miami Open on the ATP side. How are you doing, Pete? Yeah, really well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure to speak with you. I love your work. I love tuning in to you. Last week on the WTA side, you and Naomi Cavaday do a hell of a job. And speaking of last week, you covered the final between Bianca Andreescu and Angelique Kerber. And wow, what a magical final that was. Can you talk to me a little bit about your view of what you saw in the Young Canadians game? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, that was one of the finals where uh, Naomi and I turned to each other at the end and just went, wow, we, we just got paid to watch that. We yeah. just, you know, we feel so privileged to be in that position. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, we, we'd sort of seen it throughout the tournament with regards to Andreescu and throughout the year with regard to, uh, with, with regards to her looking tired and feeling fatigued. Um, but we just thought when she went 3-2 down in, that, in the third set, and we'd been saying to each other off air throughout the match, sort of saying, okay, well, we can see Kerber turning this round because we don't think Andreescu will have enough left in the tank. I think what helped her in a way was that because she was running on empty, she only had one way of playing towards the back end of the match, and that was just a hit out. And, um, and by doing that, it was, uh, it was just incredible to see. It was so dramatic. You had the emotion. You had, um, you had the stunning tennis. Um, and the fact that you know, she was able to beat Kerber on such a big stage was just incredible. But, I mean, from Kerber's point of view as well, I think it was unsettling for her. I think the same sort of thing happened to her as what happened to Svitolina in the previous round where you know, she looked across the side of the net and thought, well, I've, I've, I've won this. You know, I've beaten this player. She she's, looks like she's got nothing left when she went three to in the third. And I think she just lost concentration there a little bit. And, you, and as we've seen now, you give Andreescu, you know, half a chance and she'll take a mile. And, um, and she did just that. And really, as an 18-year-old, it was such a phenomenal performance. Um, I mean, I love her game style. She's got so much variety. She can do so much with the ball. 
And, uh, and as she's said on a number of occasions, she can throw junk down the other end. And at the moment, the top players just don't know what to do against her because she's so new on the scene. Right. Um, but yeah, it just had everything. Crowd, everything. What a match. Right. And you talk about the variety that she throws at her opponents. And yes, uh, I think the last six opponents she faced at Indian Wells had never faced her before. I mean, a lot of people are projecting big things for Andreescu, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the other players come up with in terms of game plan against her in the not-too-distant future, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. When you you look at someone like Sabalenka, who um, obviously different game style, but this year so far, players have sort of worked out patterns of play against her that she doesn't like. So now she's going to have to adapt her game a little more, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to Sabalenka this year after you know exploding onto the scene last year in the, in the second half of the year. And so with Andreescu, I think she's got more to her game. There's more variety there, certainly. And it seems she can do a lot of different things, which is different to Sabalenka. So, I mean, she may be able to adapt her game more and more, but it, it will be fascinating as we go through the months that if players work out what to do against her, whether she can then adapt to that. But what she's got in her favor is that because she's got such variety in her game and she's been able to attack, she's been able to defend, she's been able to you know loop the ball up, she's been able to hit with yeah. slice, um, all of that suggests that you know she's got the ability to do different things. And I, I think that was the most impressive thing with her being 18 years of age, I mean, we said it on air and Nomi said it as well, isn't usually when you've got that much talent and you've got all the weapons that you can choose from, the young players usually struggle to decide what shot to go for in which situation because it's often harder for them if they've got such a you know array of shots at their disposal it's harder for them to select the right ball at the right time which is often related to maturity on the tennis court yes and yet she seems to have such great tennis maturity even at the age of 18 and, it, and, and it, it's something that you would have thought you know would have come a lot later but um it's it's all of a sudden happened um at 18. yeah and Speaking of her age, she's the fourth youngest player to win the Indian Wells title. The only three players who did it younger were Serena, Martina Hingis, and Monica Seles. And all those players went on in that same year to have a lot of success at the U.S. Open. And then we look forward to, or we look back to last year and we see what Naomi Osaka did and then how she did at the U.S. Open. It seems to be there's a little bit of a correlation between the two events. Uh, have you thought about that at all? I um, haven't thought about it too much. In, in terms of, I, I think, another thing actually Naomi turned and said to me, um, it was midway through the semifinal. She actually said uh, she thought it might do Andreescu better in the long run if she doesn't win this match. Um, okay. Just because in terms of exactly doing what you just said, I know you haven't meant to do it at all, but in terms right. of, you know, you start equating her to, to these great names and, and you start comparing it to someone like Osaka, who has just, you know, I don't think anyone was predicting going into the U.S. Open her to win that and then win the Oz. Uh, I know some people were thinking she could have an outside shot of winning the U.S., but what she's done over recent months is phenomenal, and, and it's very much against the grain. So I'm kind of of a, of a position with Andreescu to be like, look, there's a phenomenal talent there, but there's a long, long way to go. Of course, the U.S., when it rolls around, it's, it's a surface that they play in um, a lot of humidity, so the ball tends to fly around, not too dissimilar to the desert. And, and you know, it, it's a hard court, so we know that. And, and playing in the States, we know she's comfortable with that. So there is a great chance that she'll have um, a lot of success there. Um, but I, I just don't want people to get too ahead of themselves because she's 18. It could be a bit of a flash in the pan. Um, what I did like is just recently I've read an interview saying that um, she's going to take, you know, three weeks off or so, two to three weeks off after Miami. And, and I think that's a really smart move. I think the danger here for her being just 18 years of age is to overplay, to, to, to get too hyped up. Um, and all of that. But you never know also in tennis when you're going to peak. 
And so maybe this is her peak and, and maybe that's, you know, she needs to take advantage of that. But I think the biggest thing for her is to get fitter because we saw that she struggled with fitness um, and, and just to make sure her mind's right to get used to being a star, get used to being sort of people covering her more often, um, all of those things. And then hopefully when the US Open rolls around, then, then yeah, she can go and do big things there. But I, I, I would just be hesitant of not applying too much pressure. And as much as she's with those names of Sellers, Serena, Hingis, um, my fingers crossed that we do have another one of those players because it, it's just phenomenal in the women's game. We want more more of those types of players, of course. Um, but I, I don't want to get overly hyped just yet. But I mean, what she's shown so far is something to get excited about. But I'm I'm just sort of going, okay, right, let's see what she does in a couple of months' time and and, and take it tournament by tournament. Very well said. And there are cautionary tales out there. I and mean, we look no further than than up in Canada where Jeannie Bouchard has struggled <laughs> after such a breakout season. But I want to move on. You hit upon something pretty interesting about how it could actually be better for a player to lose, say, in the semifinals. And one player who did happen to lose in the semifinals, but as a player that has put together a brilliant season is Belinda Bencic, uh, 12 match winning streak that was finally stopped by Angelique Kerber. How do you think she sets up for the 2019, the rest of the season here? I, I think she's looking great. I mean, um, she was someone I was really lucky enough to watch her um, during a Fed Cup. I think she was 16 at the time uh, where she beat Elise Cornet in France in a Fed Cup match. And that was the first time I saw her and, and I was blown away. And, and I wasn't surprised that she'd been working with uh, Hingis' mum, um, Melanie Molitor, and, uh, and as well as been working with Hingis. She's just got the unbelievable ability to take the ball so early. And it's like she's almost playing in slow motion compared to everyone else. Um, similar to Andreescu in a way as well, she's got the ability to play with variation. Um, and it's, she's just had such rotten luck with injuries throughout her career. And I think, again, going back to Andreescu, talking about her needing rest and time away, She's also got to look at someone like Belinda Bencic. Uh, you were you're bang right what you're saying with Bouchard. But Bencic, you know, as in her career so far has just been injury after injury. Um, but the talent has always been there. And I think because she's had injury issues and spent long times out of the game, that dense confidence. And then it takes a long time to get back to where she was before. But the talent has always been there. She now looks injury free. Um, she looks like she's really enjoying her tennis as well. Um, and I think she has such an adaptable game as well. She's another player I think can, can rush players. And, and the big thing yeah. as well is the beautiful thing at the moment within WTA tennis. I mean, Naomi and I were talking about this at the time uh, during the, the commentaries. Is in, we're in such a good spot with it because there are so many different types of players. Um, there's big hitters. There's players who play with variety. There's counter punches. Um, there's different ages. There's different you know, experiences. It, it's all in there at the moment. And Bencic is a player I believe can deal with all of it. Uh, and so, and especially the big hitters, so someone like a Sabalenka, she can still take that ball early and rush someone like a Sabalenka. So I just think right now she's looking fit. Uh, she's obviously super confident with the run she's been on. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I expect to see her in, in Shenzhen come the end of the year as things stand at the moment. And um, and then again, maybe the, hot, the hard courts and, and Wimbledon. I'm not sure about the clay. I don't think that's her favorite surface, but... Mm -hmm. Grass, hard courts, I expect to see her, you know, going going deep in a lot of tournaments this year. Yeah, well said then again. And I think one of the big points with Belinda is that not only is she in good health, but she seems fitter, stronger, more flexible mm -hmm. than ever before. And I think that's helping her to a, to a pretty pretty large degree right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. As in, um, and, and again, it's things with uh, when you have an injury, it's... It, it's building confidence within that injury because obviously it's, it's, it's a domino effect. Once you have an injury somewhere, then you start to, to question whether you're going to get an injury in that same place again. And, and often if you have an ankle injury, you know, it can cause you an injury in your upper leg and, and, and things like that. And so I'm not surprised it's taken her a little longer to get back to where she's got to. But exactly as you say, she looks fitter, leaner, everything than she has ever done before. 
and and she's clearly trusting her body again which is which is a really key point and um and and she's reaping the rewards right now and it's and it's great for tennis because she's got such a brilliant game so it's it's really fun seeing her at the, at the top end if you don't mind i'd like to before i let you go tap your brain a little bit on some atp storylines no go for it excellent thank you pete <laughs> and it's a pleasure having you on i'm, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time today um oh, no, anytime Let's see. Um, I saw a very interesting stat before the uh, Team Federer final that in the last 15 Masters 1000 events, well, now after Team has upset Federer in the final, seven first-time winners have come through, and that differs from the previous 86 Masters 1000 events, which had only seven first-time winners. And yet, I look forward and I look back and I see that we haven't had this trend translate at the Grand Slam level. It's been basically Nadal, Federer, Djokovic since 2017. So my question to you is, these first-time winners in the Masters 1000s, do you think that hard work is due to pay off relatively soon? Um, I, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And obviously, the, the big reason for that is that the, the, the big four, so to speak, are getting old and they're getting injured and, and things like that is, are slowing them down. So right. that is then bringing up opportunities for these, for these guys who have been working their socks off for so long, like a Dominic team. Um, and so they're then getting themselves into the same positions that they were before. But of course, I think, you know, Indian Wells was a great example of that. You know, Djokovic, I think, clearly was a little ill. Um, and struggled, went out early, and then you've got Nadal struggling with his knee, and so then it's just Federer left, and and it's a it's a perfect example. And then Federer's obviously he's getting on a little bit right now. Um, that's not to say you know he's still he's still a phenomenal, unbelievable player, and he's still in contention for slams, and still probably a lot of you know near the favourite for for a lot of Masters, but he is now showing signs that he he is beatable in these events. So I think that's the the chasing pack are now getting into the, themselves into those positions they need a little bit of luck for draws to open up like it did for team really um and then they're in position to, to take advantage of that i think it also helps them that it's it's best of three sets so that's why i think in a way if you see a, a nadal or federer struggle early on in matches they've got time to turn it around in, in the slams perhaps not so much federer but but Djokovic in particular they have time to, to sort of work the match around um, i mean i think team versus nadal uh, last year at the the us open was mm -hmm. probably a perfect example of that i think team probably would have won that in a masters event but nadal won that in, in the slam um but I, i'm you know i'm secretly slightly hoping that that they do get their chances in because these are still some top rated players and and i'm very very excited with regards to the to the next generation you know the likes of hashinov um, I, I say next gen, even though he's not next generation, but I say next gen because he was one of the, the players who was involved in the first next generation um, finals in, in Milan. And those guys coming through at the moment, it's so exciting with Tsitsipas, Hachinov, uh, Shapovalov, you know, these guys who have shown flashes of beating the best guys. Um, I think they can show flashes beating the best guys in Masters tennis as well. Um, and that, again, more chances for those guys to get knocked out, the, the top four to get knocked out, which is creating opportunity for, for everyone now almost within the top 15 of the sport. Yeah, and let's let's uh, ride that wave a little bit and dive into Dominic Team. He struggled quite a bit with illness in the first couple months of the season, uh, but he really came through with a vengeance at Indian Wells. Has this changed your perception of what Team can be as a two-surface threat? And if he is indeed a two-surface threat going forward, do you see Dominic Team as a future? I don't know, number one player, um, multi Grand Slam winner. I, I mean, I see there is going to be a gap 
there's definitely going to be a gap, isn't there? When well, we, we presume there is. I mean, having said that, <laughs> Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, Murray as well. To me, they're superhuman. I mean, these guys are like superheroes. As in, so if they went on to like 44, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, <laughs> everything you keep questioning what they do, and they just keep coming back and doing it. As soon as they're questioned, they seem to respond. So, but you would think, you know, if Djokovic gets to sort of 38, uh, there's got to be a gap at some point where the likes of Team Raonic and and those Nishikori and and then then the next generation I've already mentioned there will be a chance for those guys to possibly get to number one in the world if the likes of Tsitsipas and um, you know Shapovalov doesn't suddenly overtake them all and become the next brilliant players um, so I think that there is a chance so to say team can he win um, Grand Slams obviously everyone's thinking about the French with him because he's probably I would say the third best clay quarter out there behind Nadal and Djokovic um, so you know French great a great opportunity but Having watched him play, you know, again, I'll go back to that match against um, Rafa Nadal at the U.S. Open and his run at the U.S. Open. I think he showed there, you know, the level of tennis that he played against Nadal on that night, particularly in certain sets, was outstanding. And how team tends to play his tennis, it sort of lights out. You know, he goes for corners. He goes, he hits with such a big ball, big heavy ball. Yeah. So he has the chance to beat the big guys because he plays that sort of really expansive, almost risk-taking tennis that can sometimes go horribly wrong, which is why he can often go out in round two. And, and, and you can see him lose to guys outside the world's top 50. But then when it goes right, it means he can beat the very best in the world. And so if he gets, you know, to a slam... Right now, winning Indian Wells as well will have given him so much belief. What he did at the U.S. Open last year gives him a lot of belief. He's got he's, the team he's got. To excuse the pun, the team he's got around him as well. I think you know he's so comfortable with them. It, they've always been talking about being a process building, and and saying you know he's not the finished article. And they've they've reiterated that time and time again. And so he has just sort of been building and building, building, especially with his hard court game. So I do feel. He is going to be a threat at the U.S. Open. I, I think you can't write him off with the, with the style of tennis he plays because on his day he can beat anyone. And I, I, whether or not, if you said to me, right, is he going to be world number one in two years' time? I would probably say no. And if you said, is he going to win a slam in two years' time? I would also probably say, mm, I would probably say no. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did win one. Um, but I would say maybe when the, the, the Djokovic, uh, Nadal, Federer, four years on, he must be in position. If he, if he keeps doing what he's been doing over the last few years and building, then yeah. you would think he's in position to, to certainly win at least one slam. Got to think so. And yeah, you, you mentioned the, the big three, and it's, it's really Novak Djokovic just carrying the torch. It feels like he's putting a little bit less emphasis on these Masters 1000 but the, um, and really more emphasis on the slams right now. But that's another conversation for another time. I want to let you go, Pete, and I want to, before I do, I want to say I enjoyed this so much. This is why I love your commentary. I just kick back, <laughs> sit back, and learn a whole bunch of stuff about tennis. So um, keep up the good work, and I appreciate you taking time, and we'll look forward to uh, tuning into your work next couple weeks at the Miami Open. Oh no, no, and th- thank you for yeah. I, I really appreciate any feedback. It's it's always we don't. It, the strange thing is the commentator. You don't get a lot of feedback from many people, but but you know, we're, we're, I'm so privileged to be in the job I'm in and and spending time with you know former great tennis players and um, and and very intelligent people like like Naomi is, and that's why I think it works very well because you know she's so interesting and um, and uh, you know her her reading of the game is fantastic and and it, it just means. As a failed tennis player myself, I can try and dig into things that, uh, that you know maybe others can't. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, I'm so lucky to do what I do, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad at least someone out there does enjoy it. Oh, there's a lots of them. I'll I'll keep the feedback coming, and hopefully, some others will join in when they realize that you don't bite. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not too active on social media, but I, I do read. I don't I don't <laughs> post myself, but I, but I do read read things. So yeah, it's, it's always nice to hear a nice compliment. Oh, fantastic, Pete. 
So I will let you go and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Maybe we can do it in person sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the best with it with podcasting. Keep, keep up the good work. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to Pete Rogers for joining the program. You guys should stay tuned to him by listening to the ATP World Feed this week. You will hear his voice for the next two weeks as he covers the Miami Open. Now let's talk about the podcast and where you guys can find us. We are on iTunes and we would love it if you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lucky Let Cord podcast. It would mean a lot to us. You can also find this podcast on Spotify or at our podcast homepage at podomatic.com slash tennis now. On social media, you can keep up with tennis now at facebook.com slash tennis now. On Twitter at tennis underscore now. You can hit us up on Instagram. And of course, Come visit the website. We want you there at www.tennisnow.com. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to wish you all the best. Enjoy the rest of the Miami Open. We'll talk soon.